Section 1 of Ancient Ideals in Modern Life, Four Lectures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ancient Ideals in Modern Life, Four Lectures by Annie Besant. Forward. In the following lectures, I have endeavored to discharge the duty incumbent on the spiritual teacher however humble the grade, of holding up the ideal to be aimed at, of reproving the evils of the day, of indicating the path along which the ideal may be approached. The task is one beset with difficulties, but not for that reason may it be avoided. Cowards shrink back, appalled by obstacles. Heroes overcome them. At the dawning of the twentieth century, India stands near the parting of the ways. One way leads downwards to death, the other upwards to life. Many of her noblest children are hopeless of her future and would let her expire peacefully rather than prolong the death passage by remedies deemed useless. Others loving her well but ignorantly would in the effort to save her cast aside to the winds all her traditions and seek by modern western medicines her cure. But really her death... Others yet again believe that before her there dawns a new era of spiritual life and of material greatness, and would seek to revive her ancient ideals and wed to them all that is best in modern life. Of these am I, who have spoken these discourses as a first contribution to that end, for I am a humble servant of the great masters who declared that they would welcome any who would aid them in the task of regenerating India and I would fain have humble share in that mighty endeavor. Hitherto in my lectures during seven years, I have been content to raise the old ideals before the eyes of India and of the world, and to seek to inspire the Hindus with love and reverence for their ancient faith. The work has not been unfruitful. The impulse given to Hinduism by the teaching of H. P. Blavatsky and the work of Colonel H. S. Olcott has been strengthened and the part played by the Theosophical Society in the revival of Hinduism is admitted by friends and foes alike. But I have observed with regret, though without surprise, that evil has trodden close on the heels of good, and that while religion has been vivified, abuses and superstitions have also shown more vitality. Hence the duty becomes incumbent on me to speak as plainly against these abuses and superstitions as in favor of the ancient faith, I may not let them be confounded with the truth I teach, nor may I stand as endorsing them, because re-proclaiming the immemorial dharma. If they triumph or remain welded into the fabric of Hinduism, India will perish and perish shamefully. To separate the rotting from the pure is the condition of life, and those love not India wisely who would leave the rotten veiling it from public gaze, because attached to that which is pure. Corruption spreads, and its spread is death, whether in the body of the individual or in that of the nation. Hence I have spoken plainly of the abuses, and of the need for their extirpation. A few points on which I had intended to touch, but which were omitted for lack of time, have been added to the lectures, and are distinguished by enclosure within square brackets. 
Though the lectures are addressed to Hindus, many of the matters dealt with, especially in the first and last lectures, are applicable outside Hinduism and describe ideals that might be incorporated generally in modern life to its great improvement. And in any case, the raising of India must interest all who belong to the great empire of which India forms a part. May the proposals here made, if wise and good, win the assent and support of India's children, and so prove a step towards her redemption. End of forward. Read by Sandra.